You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 27. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Hey there, amazing business owners, Angela here, and welcome to another episode of Business and Life Conversations with me, Angela Henderson. I hope your day is going brilliantly well and that you're ready to listen to another amazing episode of Business and Life Conversations. Today, I'm super excited to have Ben from Max My Profit joining me today to talk about the five steps for building a better business. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Angela. And how, how's your week going so far, Ben? A- absolutely fantastic. It's great yeah. to be alive. Yeah, and what's one key thing you want to work on this week? Uh, this week for me, uh, I mean, we've got so much going in our business, but we're recently franchised. So I'm just helping to get my franchisees off the ground. Oh, gosh. Well, that could be a whole other podcast within itself on how to <laughs> franchise your business, but I try, try not to go too much into that today. So, Ben, whenever I bring on a guest onto the show, I always like to get to know you a little bit more one-to-one so that, again, it's not just business. But I like to add a little bit of fun and flavor to it. So I'd love you to introduce yourself, but the other thing I'd like you to say at the very end is what is your favorite holiday destination and why? Okay, that's easy. Well, um, as you said, my name's Ben, a co-founder and um, author of the Business Acceleration Blueprint, co-founder of Maximum Profit. Um, I've been in the business education space since I was uh, 28, so I'm 45 now, so I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and I'm very passionate about reducing the fatality rate of small business in this country. I guess worldwide, but, but particularly in Australia, you know, where so many business owners go broke. And my favourite holiday destination is Fiji. I've been going there for... Boy, oh boy, 25 years, pretty much every year, sometimes twice a year. <laughs> and I just got back a few weeks ago. Yeah. And we're, already, we're already planning an extra. I love it there because most of the places I stay, you can't get phone reception. They don't have television. <laughs> you just totally disconnect. And no, I go to the islands. There's no roads. So just, you know, relaxing. Just rock and roll. And do you normally go there for a short time or a long time? Um, the shortest I typically have for is about eight nights. The longest I've been there was 17 nights. So it just depends. Yeah, in the Fiji, and I used to live in Fiji. It is one of the most beautiful countries. The people are genuinely some of the friendliest people you yeah. will ever meet. Yeah. And the scenery, let's be honest, the scenery and those blues of the ocean are magnificent. Just amazing. And I think you're right. The people, the people are what make it. I feel like I'm going to visit my family when I'm going back to the resort. And do you always go to the same spot or do you guys go to different locations? We, we're typically creatures of habit, but we tried a new place because my kids are grown up. So I went to an adults-only place and we're going back there again next year. That'll probably become our new place to go every year. The new place. Well, yay, super exciting. I was actually just in Fiji at the beginning of the year and there's this one family. They've been going to the same place in Fiji, which is the Navidi Hotel. They've been going there for 30 years. It was uh, it was mer- remarkable, really, to listen to their family history and their story and how every year it just brings everyone together. So quite a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, and I think that's it is such a family-oriented place. So it's a good place to take everybody. And, I, and again, family, and again, from young and old, you know, like you said, mm. you can still transition now that your kids are adults and still have just as good as time as when they were little babies, you know, so they, they, they do a great job. Now, tell me a little bit more about Max My Profit. What does that, you know, look like so the listeners know a little bit more about, I guess, your, your own business? Yeah. Um, so in a nutshell, what we do is we help business owners build a better business or build the business they imagined. So if you think about it, when you ask somebody why they went into business, 
most of the answers will relate to freedom. So having time to do more with their life, spend more time with their loved ones, and then having financial security. So pretty much every answer you can think about will come back to those two things. So when someone starts a business, they imagine building something that's going to give them more freedom and more money. Mm -hmm. The reality is for most is that they typically have less freedom and less money. Mm -hmm. And so Maximum Profit was started because it's not, it's not hard. It's simple to be able to build a business that gives you more money and more freedom. You just got to know how to do it. It's like anything in life, you need the skills. So we do this in several ways. So we have uh, some done for you services. So, you know, to grow your business and to make sure it's profitable, there are things that you'll need to have done, whether it's marketing, it's financials, it's systems, et cetera. So we have the done for you services. We then have a team of what we call business accelerators and those, those, People are there to work with business owners one-on-one, sort of like coaching to Mm -hmm. guide them through our five-stage growth system because we do have a a five-stage business growth system. And then we have a a range of resources and training online. So we're really big on on using technology uh, to reduce costs of being able to deliver our services to our clients. So what we have is an online education hub they can log into 24-7. They can do online training and they can access a whole bunch of resources. We have over 500 resources so whether it's a, it could be a checklist on on how to interview somebody, it could be a blog post, a template, it could be a, a, a you know how to systemize your business uh, kit, whatever, whatever it is that we, whatever is sort of synonymous across every business, we've systemized it to make it easy for people people there to do it. No, brilliant. So kind of like a one stop shop. That's yeah. That's that's the idea. Is we want it to be a place you come to when you just want to grow your business and you want to grow your profitability. No, perfect. And so when I was doing some research for the show today, some of the things that I come on threads I saw on the website, which I love because I'm very similar, is that sometimes people are overcomplicating business. Mm. And in fact, you don't need to overcomplicate business. But I guess it's also that saying you don't know what you don't know. Um, I also find a lot of people are always online kind of searching for that next freebie, you know, trying to fill the void, I guess. When again, if they understand, I guess, some of the systems that they need or some of the procedures that they need, they don't need to be going from one freebie to the next. So tell me a little bit about some of the clients that you've had in the past. So those clients that might be listening on the show, what are some of the things that they're potentially overcomplicating to the point of overwhelm and why do you think this is happening? So I think, um, I think sometimes the overcomplication comes from a lack of planning. And so things become complicated. I don't think they mean to overcomplicate them, but they certainly uh, don't plan things out very well. And I think you know, we see people who are successful and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. So we've got clients, for example, who uh, I'll, I'll use a client as an example. I won't name them, but he's uh, in the electric, he's an electrician. So he's an electrician space and he sees another electrical contractor who has gone and franchised and has 30 something vans on the road and doesn't realize that, that actually took nine years to make it happen. So they tend to want to jump into things too fast and that can really hurt their business because they're not prepared for it. They don't, haven't systemized things. They haven't got their own business right where they have predictable marketing. Uh, they haven't got all their service offerings to a point where they know that everything they do is profitable. Uh, they haven't got their team trained properly to be able to deliver the service so they get a, an, an eight, nine or 10 out of 10 every time they deliver. So there's all these things that they're they're not doing that turns into something more complicated than it needs to be because when you embark on something, whether it's just growing your business or it's franchising or going into a new market, when you embark on that and you're not fully prepared, it's going to be harder than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So that's what we find more so than anything else. 
And again, I, and I would totally agree, again, with the clients that I'm working with, well, I'm all about the foundations. Lay the foundations mm. correctly, and then you can grow and scale. You don't have the foundations, things that potentially can go bad. And I really like the sentence you talked about initially was about, I think you said, fatality to death or fatality to business, you know? Yes. And yep. I think that does happen so often because, again, people are looking all around them and wanting to be where others are, and they haven't actually gone through that business journey yet. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by fatality by business. So what, what I'm talking about, the fatality rate of small business, I'm talking about the fact that eight out of 10 small businesses, I mean, that's okay. the, statistically that they yes. don't succeed. Yeah. So I'm talking about businesses not surviving. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, this is a, just a byproduct of people not knowing what they don't know, as you said before. And the, the thing is, you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know. And that never changes. There's always stuff you don't know. And as you grow your business, you need to learn new skills. And I think that's where people go wrong. And that's why so many fail is because they're just not learning how to build a business. They may be great at their job. So let's say, let's go back to that electrician, for example. Fantastic electrician. Awesome. He goes out to customers. They love him. He can diagnose issues, can install a light really quickly, can wire a house up. Amazing electrician. Decides to start a business. Now, he's done four years training to be an amazing electrician. Uh, at tape and as an apprentice he's then done another six or seven years in the field as a tradesman being an amazing electrician so over 10 years of experience he leaves his employer and he goes i'm going to start a business and then wonders why in the first quarter he's not amazing at it well he hasn't done any learning or training to be a business owner and so we find that's the key thing for most people is when they go into their own business just because you're good at what you do or just because you're passionate about what you do doesn't mean you're going to be successful in business and I think, again, that just goes, again, that comes down to some of the marketing and people, again, I remember when I, my first website launched eight years ago with Finley and me, and I was like, okay, great, where are the sales? Like, and again, you don't know what you don't know. I just yeah. thought that because I had a website now, that meant, do you know what I mean, that the sales would come. And then that's when they're like, well, do you have SEO? And I'm like, well, what the heck's SEO? Do you have good copy? What's, do you know? And it was all these things that, again, it was just, I was, I guess, fortunate enough to not stop and keep going, you know, and, mm. and find out mm. what all that needed to happen. But so many of my own clients, as I'm sure with yours, in that example with the electrician, that they don't know. You know, you don't know that you need SEO. You don't even know what that stands for. You know? No. So no, so it is business can be a little bit um, deceiving, I guess, that you think you're just going to be successful. But as the other electrician you talked about, it took him nine years to be able to get to where he is, mm. um, probably through a lot of trial and error, I would imagine, also along that way. Probably, probably so, more error than they'd like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So today we're obviously talking about building a better business. Um, but how do businesses know that they need to build a better business? Have you, have you noticed any common threads along the way when finally people do get to you and your partner, um, your business partner for, you know, help? Have you noticed anything in stats that you've collected? And are, what are some of the elements to know, again, that yeah, they need to change things? So I, I guess it's pretty simple. Um, and that's the thing I love about this is we like to keep it really simple. If you're working harder than you should be and not making enough money and you know that, especially if you could go and work for somebody else and get paid more than you pay yourself, then your business isn't working effectively. And, um, you know, to me, it is all about profitability and money's not everything. But when you build a business, no one goes into business to have sleepless nights worrying how they're going to pay their bills. No. What, what most people focus on is sales and then expenses. And then if there's a profit at the end of the year, they're happy. Uh, what we say to people is focus on profit first. So budget for profit and then work out what your business has got to do to deliver that. So if your business is not paying you a, a salary that is equal to what you should be getting as a manager or employee inside your business, plus 
the profits that you need to be able to achieve your personal goals, then you need to change something because nothing changes unless you change something. So when it comes to building a better business, I'm not one of these people that says you should 10x your business or you should franchise or you should go global because it's not my goals, it's your goal. And it's about understanding that it doesn't have to be difficult. So if you're if you're struggling to pay your bills, you're not sleeping at night, you're working ridiculous hours, you're not taking time out for holidays or to see your young kids get awards at school or whatever it might be that's important to you, a day on the golf course, uh, you know, a day at lunch with your girlfriends, whatever it might be. If you're not getting to do those things, then your business needs to be improved because your business should not consume your life. It just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I 100% agree, but yet so often it is consuming so many people's lives. I want to go one step back though. The people that you initially talked about when they're saying business and they're working harder than what they need to be and there's not a less profit, would you define them as small business owners or would you still say that they're in hobby mode because they haven't been able to transition to a profitable business? Well, it's funny. I've seen people with $25 million a year turnover that are not making any money. So, and working crazy hours. So I would just, I would say that some can be definitely small hobby businesses, but some can be bigger businesses where they just have not mastered the basic fundamentals. And because it's easy to get caught up in this, let's grow a big business. You know, I've seen many big businesses that don't make any money. I've had one myself in the past. So it's easy to get caught in that trap where you feel like you've just got to build something for the sake of growing something. Mm-hmm. And because it's good to brag about that, right? It's the ego side. It's getting the the put you know pinning a a badge on their chest to say, "Hey, I'm doing ten million a year or twenty million a year." Or, but none of that matters if you're not making any profit. So you know, there's some people that are doing a million a year and they're making half a million in profit. There's some people that are doing twenty million a year and they're making ten thousand a year in profit. Which business would you rather? Well, exactly. And I know that um, one of the things I talk about, and I've learned that from my own coach James Tremco, is around what is your effective hourly rate. Mm. And so many times people will think that it's one thing, but in the reality, when they look at their expenses, the hours that they're putting into, that some people will go, "Oh my goodness, I'm actually only making ten dollars an hour. I could make more." At McDonald's and do doing far less and have much more of a life. But because again, so much of the ego is being driven, um, they, they sometimes don't look at the numbers. Would you say that that's a common, you know, when you start working with people and they start looking at the numbers, do they somewhat uh, get a bit of a shock? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think some don't look at the numbers because they're scared to look at them because they know that it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Some don't look at the numbers that they don't know what to look at as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So, so that's also another problem. And some just are focused on the wrong goals. So mm-hmm. they're focused on turnover and building. And there's there's this common myth that you're building an asset that, you know, if I, if I work for nothing for 10 years, I'll get my big payday somewhere down the road. And that's the wrong way to think about it because no one wants to buy a business that doesn't make any money. Oh, my goodness. No, if they look at the books, you'd be mm. very silly to be signing any contract that doesn't show a profit margin at some yeah. stage. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, we've seen some, some, I guess some anomalies where big companies have been sold for millions of dollars, like, you know, I think Skype was sold and mm-hmm. was making a loss. And some of that, like Instagram might have been making a loss when it was sold to Facebook. But they're, they're, we're talking about huge tech companies with big databases of users and they're, they're soaking them up into another platform that needs users to grow. So that's their acquisition strategy. But for a small business owner, if you're building your little shop or your little business to, in the hope that one day you can sell it and that's when you'll make your money, people buy businesses on a multiple of profitability. That's how mm-hmm. they typically buy it. So the more profit you're making, the more you'll get come sale day. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, hands down. Let's be honest. Hands okay. down, it's going to work in their favor. Yeah. Now, one of the quotes that I saw on your website, and I guess we can talk about for those that are listening going, ooh, I might really want to stick around to listen to the five steps, you know, uh, to building a better business because this is definitely going to help me. But I'll rewind a little bit and is that you said, you know, you cannot change the past, but you can start to change the future. And that was a quote that's from Jim Rohn, I think yes. his name was. 100%. And I, love, yep. and I love this quote because it is true. So for those of you who are listening going, ooh, I really like what Ben is saying in the conversation that Angela's having, and I need to make some changes. We can't change the past. You know, people and so often will dwell on the past. And so what I'd love for you to start talking to us, Ben, is a little bit about these five steps to building a better business. And what does this look like for the listeners out there? Yeah, great stuff. So I think, uh, you know, and that's so I love that saying. Jim's, Jim Rowan was a great mentor of mine. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, but you can still access a lot of his workshops and retreats online. You can go and listen to them. Amazing man to listen to. Uh, but it's, you know, for me, that was such an important quote because I was dwelling on the past, but you can't change what's happened in the past. We can only learn from it. And if you think, you know, you, you might go, and you might even be listening to this podcast, going, geez, I've wasted the last 10 years of my life because I'm still in a business that's not making any money, hoping I was building some sort of asset and I'm just working crazy hours and not making any money. Uh, but you can't dwell on that. All you can do is learn from the past and go, okay, well, what I've done in the past didn't work. So doing that same thing is probably not a smart move. Mm -hmm. So. Let's focus on the future. So what, what I've discovered, I've been in this game for, uh, you know, 20 years. And in 20 years, I've worked with thousands of businesses. And I've discovered that every single business has five clear, distinct stages of growth. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, these five stages will apply. Even not-for-profits go to me, oh, but we don't need to make profit. But the answer, even not-for-profits need to make money because that's how they buy stuff to give away or support things. So the first thing, I mean, you mentioned the word before is foundation. So the first part of the five steps is getting the foundations right. And there's five sort of areas to foundation. One is what we call financial foundation. So that's understanding your numbers, being able to read a profit and loss statement, having a budget that you follow, having a cash flow forecast so you don't run out of money because that's how most businesses go broke, knowing your break-even point, so understanding at what point you start to make profit because every business has the basic costs associated with running it that's got to be covered first. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just and just having your, your financials to a point where you can understand them. Now, you don't need to be an accountant. You need to go and get a good accountant make sure your books are up to date and you need to look at those numbers on a monthly basis. So that's sort of part of the foundation. Mm -hmm. We then talk about planning uh, foundation and that is making sure that people have a plan in place because that's the next step. Because once you know your numbers, if you don't have a plan in place, I always say to people, where are you going? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> you, know you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get in the car without knowing where you're heading or if you do, you're going to end up who knows where, right? So you've got to have a plan in place. Uh, you've got to have KPIs, which are key performance indicators. So you've got to have a way of measuring your progress as you go through the, the phases of building your business. You have to make sure your business is structured for growth. Uh, and I'm going through this pretty quickly, but this gives you an idea of some of the key things in foundation. And when I'm talking about structure for growth, it, you, you have to be able to scale your business without it um, breaking down because you do all the work. So you have to have a way of being able to leverage yourself as your business grows because a classic small business grows in sales. When the sales grow, the business owner gets busy because they're doing all the delivery. The sales mm -hmm. then drop and then they panic and they have to jump back into marketing. And so they never get past that glass ceiling. Um, so structuring your business for growth means that you're able to be able to then catapult it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the foundation. You know, you get all those basics right. Uh, then you can focus on the marketing side. Mm -hmm. So you would say step two would be marketing. 
Yeah. So our step two is growth. So once you get the foundations right, then step two is growth. And that is about having predictable marketing. So understanding who your target market is, working with, because you've done your numbers, you know what your most profitable products or services are. They're the ones you're going to market. Mm -hmm. Understand what you can afford to spend to get a customer. It's called acquisition cost. Mm -hmm. So you need to know how much you can put into your marketing for each customer that you get. Um, You have to then also work on your things like your conversion rate. So it's one thing to be great at generating leads, but if you don't have a sales process that allows you to consistently convert those leads into customers, then you're going to struggle to scale. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as a business grows, one of the things you're going to have to do is you're going to have to hire another salesperson. Yes. And, and, and the, one of the main uh, professions that fail or the people that you'll hire will be a salesperson. It's because you hire somebody who has got sales experience, but you don't give them a system to follow. Mm-hmm. And so they have to try and work it out for themselves. It's always, that's destined for failure. So what we say to people is before you hire a salesperson, make sure you've got a, a documented sales process. Mm-hmm. You know, all the steps are laid out. You have sales scripts, questions to ask, what makes a qualified lead, understand how to convert a customer. Um, the other thing in the growth phase is also then maximizing the lifetime value out of a customer. So, you know, understanding that once you get someone to buy from you once, it's six times easier to get them to buy again than it is to get a new customer. So what other products or services do you offer that they could be buying from you? Or how can you complement the current services that you offer to be able to upsell them or cross-sell? I mean, McDonald's is a classic of this. You go in there and they, they try and give you a bigger burger or they try a bigger meal or they try and give you fries or something with it. And the reason they do that is because when they ask the question, three out of 10 people say yes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it makes them millions of dollars. So you can employ the same strategies in your own business. Mm-hmm. And often I do, again, this is what I always say about that post-sale nurturing. You know, so many people will nurture, nurture, nurture up to the sale. They get the sale and then they don't do diddly squat post-sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they, again, they're always having to find new people, new people, new people, where again, if you continue to nurture that relationship, but equally have other products that you can upsell or cross-sell like you talked about, mm. again, it just, it's that, that cash flow will constantly continue without having to work so much harder, which again is the whole reason you know, or one of the reasons we had spoke about earlier on in the conversation was that you don't want to have to be working harder if you don't have to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things that's important, people, if I said to most business owners, what were your sales last month, they'd be able to tell me. If I said to them, what was the average lifetime value of your clients last month, they wouldn't be able to tell me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a more important number than what sales did you get? What was it? Mm-hmm. What was, what is the average lifetime value of a customer? Because once you understand that, you can then start to work on it. I think even like conversion rates, most people don't know their conversion rates. They'll mm-hmm. guess at them. Yes. And they're usually drastically wrong in their own favor. They'll say, oh, I've got a conversion rate of 80% when it's probably 8%. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. 80, you'd have to be very, very, do you mean spot on, I'd say, yeah. but yes. <laughs> but, but a lot of people overestimate it because it feels bad to say I'm not succeeding, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so when we look at that second stage, it is all about growth. It's putting all the systems in place in the business to make it so the business can grow. So it can, you, you can spend $1,000 on marketing and know that you're going to get, you know, $10,000, dollars $40,000 back. Return. And that's and that's, and that's the key because once you work that out, business growth is easy because that's, mm-hmm. that's the most difficult part is really unlocking how do I get new customers because mm-hmm. once I get and, – and, and I'm not talking about any customers. I'm talking about the right customers. You want the ones that are most profitable. So once you unlock that key, the rest is easier to do because you can create cash flow whenever you need it. Yes, and I know I've just come back from the Maldives. We were talking about uh, for my own business mastermind, and one of the things we were talking about was Facebook advertising and when do you mm-hmm. max out. And one of the gentlemen there, he spends about a thousand, uh, sorry, a hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook advertising, but he obviously 
makes an enormous amount post that. But what he's learned though is being able to find again so many of the things that we've talked about. You know what? Um, how long is your customer going to stick around for? Um, and how many people are there in the market? So he's very Australian, New Zealand focused. So he's tried to do one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads, two hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. But what he found was is once he hit that threshold of a hundred thousand, that's where it kind of he started to lose money versus make the money back. Mm-hmm. So again, he had to go through that process. But going through that process has allowed him to grow at a rate. Um, where again, he's profiting versus just throwing money out in the world of Facebook land, which will happily take some people. <laughs> Absolutely. As will Google AdWords, as will most <laughs> marketing, digital marketing agencies, they'll take your money. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, this is one of those things that foundation is about having the KPIs and having your numbers so you can look and go, okay, it, what marketing is working? Because that's, that's a big area for business owners where they really do lose a lot of money is they put money into stuff and they don't know whether it's working or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And again, I just ran my launch, my signature program myself and I had to fire my first lot of Facebook guys because after 11 grand and asking multiple questions, they weren't able to deliver, you know? Yeah, so yeah. one of those things as I say is if you are putting money out there too, always give yourself permission to ask as many questions as you need in order to understand the process mm. in order to be able to go back and say, yes, this was a good exercise. This wasn't this help with profit, this, you know, I mean, damage, whatever, you know, you're, you're, you know, trying to measure, but yeah, always be, do you mean willing to ask questions? Yeah. So such a good thing to, good bit of advice. <laughs> so, all right. So step one, we've got our foundation. Step two, we've got our growth. What's our step three? So step three is optimize. And this is an area that helps you then really streamline the business. And it's about automi- automating all the repetitive tasks. And we're in such a beautiful time now for automation. It's so easy and, and accessible for just about any business to be able to get software to help them automate. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not just software, but software plays a big part in it. So for example, things like a CRM, you know, uh, you can buy CRMs now. You talked about after-sale nurturing. You can buy products that do that for you or a lot of the work for you. Uh, accounting packages now that are very automated, very systemized. Um, mm-hmm. Project management tools. So you can work better with uh, people who are, maybe you, if you outsource some work or you have remote employees or contractors. You can, there's so many, so many different things you can do now to make it so it's systemized. And then things like that may happen in your business. I've got a, a bit of a, a, I don't know it's a saying or an idea or, but if something happens more than once in my business and I don't systemize it, I feel like I'm destined to do it forever. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if you ask me the same question twice, that tells me I've got to systemize it. So if you get frequently asked questions from your, uh, from your clients, systemize it. You know? So when you get the question the third time, you say, do this, or you could prevent the question from happening because uh, you haven't systemized what, why it's happening. And so that's what the optimized stage is about, is identifying all the repetitive tasks in your business and automating them as much as you can. And that, again, I was just actually working with a client yesterday in our one-to-one session just about this. And she's like, I feel like I'm working harder. I'm like, all right, but what is it that you're working harder about? And we had to really kind of like extract all of that because she's like, no, but I like doing the tasks. And I was like, just because you like it doesn't mean that you can't automate it. Like there's also that big, like almost some people become attached with that task. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So what her little homework was, write a list down of every task. And every time you do that task again, put a check mark beside it. And then when we catch up next time, I want to be able to assess that and say, okay, you did this task 10 times in the last two weeks. Do you see where I'm going with the fact that you should probably be automating this, which frees you up more time to be creative or do more sales or train more staff, et cetera. Um, but yeah, she was kind of attached with some of those tasks. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a big challenge for people is to sometimes we have got to get out of our own way. So people do love doing the work sometimes. So Or they convince themselves they love doing the work so they don't outsource it or don't systemize it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a trap, definitely a trap. It definitely is. So, all right, step three, optimize. Step four? So step four is transition. Okay. Uh, which once you've optimized and systemized things, it's easy to delegate. And, you know, I always, when, when uh, you speak to somebody in business, you might say, How, how's your day? And they'll say, busy. Mm-hmm. So I always say to people, if you're saying you're busy, then you've got to look at why you're doing that because a lot of people think being busy is valuable is where I don't work many hours in a week, yet I get a lot done. And the way that I get a lot done is I have an amazing team around me, but, uh, and I've tra- done the, what's called the transition, the transition from working into working on. And the difference is an employee mentality versus a investor mentality. So when you make this transition at stage four, you've got, if you can think about the steps we've gone through, we've got the foundation, right? We've got all our growth systems in place. So we're maximizing our lead generation conversions, our lifetime value of our customers. We've then optimized everything. So we've gone in and we've looked at all the repetitive tasks and we systemize it. My next step is to transition so I don't have to work in the business. I can if I want to, but what I want to do is I want to be able to get other people doing the work so my clients are delivered, whatever it is I do from a team of professionals that I've hand-selected and trained, that I'll oversee them. So I become the manager, if you like. But what it does... It frees me up with a lot more time to work on the business. And we find at this point is when most businesses really accelerate in their profitability because as a business owner, I can take half a day out and I can just watch what's going on. I can look at the numbers. I can make decisions better. I can meet with other suppliers. I can develop new products and services. So it's uh, very important that at that point you take that approach to taking that step where you get out of working in the business and you start working on the business. And I can definitely relate to that in my own business at the moment that I heard a podcast just a few weeks ago from Amy Porterfield about her becoming the visionary, or I guess you could say the CEO, and her hiring someone who's the integrator. Mm. So the integrator isn't actually the person who's doing it. She's just kind of, you could also say a project manager, but she's the one that's overseeing all those other employees, our contractors, et cetera, to help make the business grow. And that, you know, Amy has felt that over the last little while, she's probably been more in there doing the doing versus being able to see her strategy for growth, even though she is a highly successful business owner. She believes she could even be more successful if she removed herself from some of those mm. doing roles and that yeah so I've just hired my own project manager and I do think that again it's giving me opportunity to reflect on um, how I probably not sabotaged um, on purpose do you know what I mean because again you don't know what you don't know but sabotaging the growth for your business yourself and your family by continuing to work in it versus on it yeah well I use property as an example you know most people who have property investments don't manage them themselves correct they hire a property manager. So if you can look at your business as a property, as an investment property that you're just expecting an ROI out of, but you don't want to have to spend your time managing it, then this is a, a natural step for most people when they're investors. That's why it's going, because so, most of us, when we start a business, if you think about it, we're creating our own job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we're yes. doing, right? I'm so beginning. all of a sudden we've got to sack ourselves. It's a very uncomfortable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to work in this business. I'm going to hire someone else to work in it and I've got to trust somebody else. Now, a lot of people that listen to this will be going, I couldn't possibly trust somebody else to run my business. And I would agree with that if you didn't go through the first three stages. Yes. If you've done the foundation right, you've got all the KPIs laid out, you've got the reporting set out, you've got your gross, all the systems are developed so the business can run without you having to be in the business, then it's easy to hire somebody and hold them accountable, get weekly reports and know what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all really. And that's what I'm looking at is every Monday, I just want to report from Dinamine Early, who's my project manager or integrator. And then I can just review it. I don't want to have to be in there emailing people asking for back and forth. I just mm-hmm. want the report and make yeah. the decision and then move forward. It doesn't mean that I'm still not going to be accessible to people. It's just that it's a different type. New boundaries are being laid again. Yeah. So important. Good step. Congratulations. Thanks for that. Now, step five, hit me with the home run on this one. So the home run is to diversify. Uh, And this is where you really can capitalize on the cash flow from your business. So once you've made a profitable business that does not rely on you having to be in there doing all the work, you can then take the cash flow and you can diversify. And most people that I meet that fail in business, they've tried to diversify too early. Okay. Diversifying means opening other outlets, new products or services, investing in property, shares. It means taking that that money and your time and going building some other wealth somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it could be associated with the business. It could be a totally new business. It could be just property. It could be unrelated to business. But it's about taking that next step because if you remember, the reason you got into business was for your own financial freedom and time freedom. So at this point in time, you've now got a business that doesn't rely on you being there but provides profitability. Even if you're not working in it, right, and you've got to pay a manager to run it, you should still be getting the profits. Take that profits and now you invest that somewhere else where it's going to make more money. You can leverage off of that money. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that step is so critical and so many people just don't get there. And is it they don't get there or do they kind of freak the heck out when they get there or maybe a combination? I think some people think they've got there and they go, oh, but Ben, I've got to put this money back into my business. Um, I think that's a lie you tell yourself to sustain a business that's not profitable. Mm-hmm. When a business is truly profitable, you'll have money and you'll be going, okay, what am I going to do with this money? You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been working with a client. I don't work with many. I've got a guy who I've been working with the last couple of years. He's doing really well. And I met him. He just had a lot of money in the bank. I said, that money is not working for you in the bank. Let's go and, you know, let's go and invest that somewhere and, and, you know, build a property portfolio or put it into a managed super fund or do something where long term it's going to give you your lifestyle when you're ready to give everything up because no one wants to work forever. No. You know, it's honest. Yeah. And (laughs) and some people go, I don't want to do nothing either. I don't want to retire. But wouldn't it be nice that you didn't have to go into work five days a week or six days a week? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just work on the things you wanted to work on that, you know, you enjoyed doing, whether it was your hobby or, you know, things that didn't matter if they went belly up. Maybe Maybe you're an entrepreneur that loves trying new things and you're happy for a few businesses to fail. There's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to be able to fund it. Yes. Funding is important. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so the diversifying again, can, can you give the listeners an example of someone who, great, they've gone through those initial four steps, the foundations, growth, they're optimized, the transition, they've got, you know, a, not a bucket, but they've got some money in the bank. What are some of the, the options that you would say, like three ways that they could diversify? Okay, great question. So one is, put, let's say you're a service-based business, put, a, put another van or two on the road, start expanding okay. your fleet. So um, by diversifying and going into so that'll put you into other geographical areas. So let's say you're a trade services business and you're very local, maybe you then expand the reach of the customers that you can deal with by putting another van or truck on the road. Second, second option could be uh, bring in new product lines. So identify what else your customers might be buying. Um, let's say you're a removalist and you've got your business so well systemized you're not in the business anymore, but you know that every customer you deal with before they move in or move out, out, um, they want to get a, a house clean done. Go and buy a cleaning company. Okay, because gotcha. you know that. Yep. Um, the third example I'll give you is probably myself. Is you know we're franchising. You could franchise your business, and we're doing that because for me to be able to scale 
as fast as I'd like, I'd need a lot of money to do it. So franchise is a great business model to be able to diversify because uh, really I'm selling my business several times over. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I'm building my business much bigger and going into new regions because every time I sell a franchise, we open up another office. Yeah. So it's that's another way. But you know, I could. There's no way I could have done that if I was doing all the delivery. I and mean, we've got hundreds of clients. Um, I work with two of them. So you know, if I didn't have a team doing all the delivery, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had the time. And it's it, I underestimated what effort would take. So um, you know, when it comes to franchising a business or licensing your product yeah. or service. <laughs> Uh, I've heard that, yes, it can yeah. be uh, yeah, a little bit tricky at the beginning, but I think, again, that you're going to have to probably go through your own steps, the five steps again, to, to, to work out. I mean, like you're going to get the foundations laid for the franchise. Correct. You're going to get Correct. the growth and all that. So, yeah, you're just kind of going, you know, from starting from on that new adventure through the steps again. Yeah. Um, and another thing, I'll give you a fourth one just as a bonus. Go and buy some property. Yep. Like, you know, it is probably the, in my opinion, it's one of the safest investments anybody can make in Australia in particular, uh, you know, and it's a, an easy way for you to get into growing wealth passively because it just works. Yeah, it works. And again, if the money's there, then a mm. lot of times, again, it's just what comes in is going out. Like you're, um, but yet the value of your property will always continue to go up for the most part. Yeah, I think always. Does it even, even really badly performing property goes up in value every 10 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will eventually. It will come around. We haven't, yeah. luckily enough, we haven't been in the U.S. when when the recession hit and the property went down. Yeah, um, let's hope that doesn't happen to us here in Australia. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope it doesn't. Now, listen. So, awesome tips. And again, very. What I love about you, Ben, is that they're very simple. You know, again, that obviously there's a few layers within each of them, from the foundations to the mm. growth to optimizing the transition and diversify. But again, I would say to businesses, and I'm sure you would potentially agree, is that just take one step at a time. Do those steps well. And then once you've really mastered that one step, move to the next one. Because would you agree that sometimes people are skipping steps and that's when we find troubles happening? Oh, 100%. Well, 300%, I agree. Because <laughs> yeah. when, when a lot of people come to us, they've skipped the foundation. So they've gone straight into the growth because that, that's, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've got to survive. And surviving is, you know, a roof over our head, food in our tummies and, and, uh, and water, fresh water to drink. You know, so that's the basics of survival. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they do the marketing side, which you've got to do first, but they forget to go back and fix the foundation. So. Um, Gosh, I don't know how many times, yeah, I see clients where they're like, I'm spending X amount a month on Facebook, but when I get them back to my website and this and then the other, it's not converting. But I'm like, oh my goodness, but you didn't like, why are you spending that much? Did you didn't know your financial numbers, yeah. you know, all that. And yeah, it is. It's just this bit, it gets a bit of, out of control, you could say. And then uh, we've got to strip it back. So no. Yeah, definitely. Skip it. Skipping is a big uh, no-no. A big, no-no. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Now tell me, if businesses want to connect or learn more about you and your business partner, where can they find you, Ben? So the easiest way is to go to maxmyprofit.com.au. It'll feel good as you're typing that because that's what you want to do. <laughs> maxmyprofit.com.au. Uh, and if you love uh, podcasts, which you must if you listen to this, I have a podcast called Business Brain Food, which you'll find in the, all the podcast players, including iTunes, uh, we're up to about episode 200. It's been going for a few years. So some great uh, interviews on there if you love learning by listening, which is what I love. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, go to maxmyprofit.com.au. Heaps of freebies there we can download. We've got a very active business blog uh, and lots of uh, cool things there that you can that, in, engage with to, to learn more about growing your business. 
Well, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate that. And for, those, and for those of you out there, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of business-related topics and life topics in my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative. We're almost hedging up to 4,000 different business owners in there. So feel free to drop on by. I love connecting with you on there. But that is everything for now. I look forward to connecting with you guys in the next episode of Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au